and welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, and I'm here with the lovely Mary Alice Carpenter, our creative manager here at Baby Chick and licensed midwife. We're here doling out no-nonsense pregnancy and parenting advice. We've worked with hundreds of families and have condensed all that we've learned to bring you simple, practical, and immediate advice for preventing pregnancy and parenting conundrums. Mary Alice and I have attended hundreds of births over the years. Some of our clients choose to have an unmedicated birth and some choose medication. We want all women to know that one way of giving birth is not better than the other, and one way to give birth does not make you a better or stronger woman than the other options. These are options that are available to you so that you can choose which is best for you and your baby. So why would someone want to have a natural or unmedicated birth? We're going to discuss the reasons why many women are choosing to forego pain medication as well as the pain medication options that are available should you change your mind. Hey, Mary Alice. Hello. Hi. So we're obviously super excited for you to give birth to your first baby. And with this whole topic, I want to know, what are you hoping for when it comes to your birth experience? What do you want it to be like? I want it to be not traumatic. And I want it to be, I don't know, I I want it to be peaceful. And I want to be informed no matter what happens. Obviously, I know that things can go lots of different directions. And I've seen so many different kinds of birth. And I mean, I want to have as natural of a labor as possible, just let my body do its thing. But I also want to be informed and talk to you with like dignity should anything come up and we need to make any different decisions. Sounds like a good plan. So you said, though, that you are hoping to have as natural of a labor and birth as possible. So what has made you want that type of birth? Well, I think just seeing so many different kinds of births. And mostly, I feel like I'm just curious. (laughs) I have, I've been to over 200 births. And I think that I just am interested in what it's going to be like for me. And I want to I would like to do it with no pain medication and just kind of experience the whole thing. Whenever I talk to my doula clients and they ask, like, should I have an epidural or should I not get an epidural? I'm like, it's these are like two totally different kinds of births. Like planning to get an epidural versus planning to have a natural birth is kind of like planning a small intimate wedding versus planning a big wedding with 300 people. Like neither one is the right thing to do. Neither one is better than the other, but they're two totally different experiences. And for some people, the intimate courthouse wedding is their best wedding. And for some people, the big blowout with everyone that they've ever known is the best wedding. And I think that that's kind of what birth is like for people. For some people, getting an epidural is definitely the right decision for them. And they that's what they want. And, they, and that is their ideal birth. And they can sit there and talk and chat and not have to feel each and every contraction. And for other people, having that unmedicated birth, being able to go through it and experience all of the different emotions and sensations that happen, that's their ideal birth. And so I think for me, I'm, I'd like to see what that's like. So we'll see what happens. I love that analogy, that metaphor of the, you know, the wedding thing, because that makes perfect sense. Well, awesome. And how are you and your husband preparing to have this hopefully ideal birth? Well, we took a Bradley class to prep, which I wanted to take because it's spread out over 
12 weeks. And even though I already knew all this information, I wanted my husband to be able to absorb all of it. And I feel like spreading it out over many weeks instead of doing it all in one day or all in two days is kind of like taking a class on something versus like cramming for an exam. And I liked this idea that like you were taking in the information more slowly and you had time to think about it and talk about it in between the classes. Yeah. For sure. And you guys obviously have chosen a midwife. That's another way you're preparing yeah. for this, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. No, I, I totally agree. I was the same way with uh, when we were pregnant with Liam. I was like, obviously, I teach childbirth classes, so I know all of this information. But Brian, you have a bit to catch up on. So yeah, he said that he left feeling a lot more informed and prepared on what to do and what to expect. So when the big day came, he was like, yeah, it was pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be like. I knew it could take a long time. I knew what to do. I knew certain noises were normal. Like I knew all of that. So no, that's awesome. And yeah, I mean, for me, why I chose to have an unmedicated birth with Liam was, like you said, I've been to hundreds of births and I've seen different scenarios. And I knew that for me personally, I wanted to have a home birth as long as Brian and I both felt comfortable with that so that I could limit my chances of needing any other interventions because I've seen epidurals, you know, that don't work when women were really counting on them working and that can be devastating for some people. I've seen the side effects of analgesics that women were like, oh, I didn't think I was going to feel that way. I didn't know that even though we did discuss it. So I just didn't want to be offered any of those things or feel tempted in that moment. And, you know, I've seen the cascade of interventions happen when you need one thing, they break your water, you have D cells, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a OR. And I know that sounds all scary, but those are things that can potentially happen. And I just wanted to reduce my my chances. And I knew that the first step was choosing an unmedicated birth. So and I also potentially choosing an epidural or anything else, or just being in a different setting can potentially prolong my labor. And I didn't want that. So I just wanted to be ultimately more in control of my birth experience and a more active participant. So those were the reasons, at least for me, why I chose to have an unmedicated birth with Liam. And we had a great home birth experience. Obviously, you were there, Mary Alice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, that's a huge reason why, you know, we're planning to have another with this second baby. So so yeah, and one of our listeners, Allie, reached out to us on Instagram and she asked us to talk about why someone would want to consider a natural labor and what options are available should suddenly, you know, you change your mind when you're in the middle of, of the contractions. Allie said that she's familiar with epidurals, but wants to know all of her options outside of just epidural or no epidural. So we've shared our thoughts and reasons, but we're here to dive a little bit deeper and talk about why many more women are now considering having a natural birth over pain medication and the benefits of having an unmedicated birth and what pain relief options are available should you go into labor and change your mind. And I do want to mention that before we even get started, Mary Alice and I are not here to say like one way of giving birth is better than the other, right? Mary oh, Alice? Definitely not. I yeah. that courthouse wedding sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Right, doesn't it? It sounds lovely. <laughs> it does. And I remember even after you had Liam, you were like, 
what if next time I got an epidural just to see what that was like? Like, (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Sometimes I do think that. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should just try it. So then I know what both actually feel like and and can have that experience. But then I was like, no, I don't don't want to take the risks. I just don't. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I think like we're definitely curious and we've seen so many different things. And I... I mean, I told my husband, I am not opposed to getting an epidural. Like there are definitely situations in which I would be like, sign me up for an epidural. <laughs> and so, yeah. and I, we've talked through what those might look like. And so I'm, yeah, we're definitely, this is a judgment-free zone, but I do think that there are some perks of deciding to have an unmedicated birth. Yeah, which are obviously reasons why we're we're choosing to do that for our own birth. So, but we're not here to tell anyone that one way is better than the other or one makes you a better or stronger mom or whatnot. But these are the reasons why women are choosing this and the benefits. So we hope that this at least helps you with your decision as your little one makes their debut. So, okay, first one freedom of movement. I think this is like an obvious one that people kind of realize, oh, if I get drugs, I'm not going to be able to move as much. Or do you think do you think people realize that, Marielle? I do think that people know that if they get an epidural, they can't move around as much, but I'm not sure that everyone realizes that you literally cannot get out of bed and that you have to have a bedpan and or a catheter and that your your legs are numb. It's kind of like being numb at the dentist except from the waist down. Yeah, you'll like she said, you have a catheter, you'll have a blood pressure cuff because they'll need to be monitoring your blood pressure every 15 to 30 minutes. You'll have obviously an IV because they need to control any pain medication that you're receiving or Pitocin. Usually epidurals and Pitocin can go hand in hand. And I mean, what else can they expect being <laughs> being in the bed, Mary Alice? They can just go left, right, and sitting up when it comes to pain medication, even, even outside an epidural. I think people don't realize that e- even when you choose like an analgesic a pain medication that's through your IV, that you are still not recommended to get out of bed because you're a um, risk. Exactly. Exactly. And also, depending on how strong your epidural is, sometimes you can get on all fours, but you really need help to move. So you can't, you can't change positions as frequently or as easily as you would be able to even without the epidural in your bed, because you do need you do need some help. Right. Absolutely. So some people just don't like that feeling of not being in control of their body during that time, not being able to move it or being limited to just one area. Having that freedom to be able to get up and move around, get out of the room, go to the bathroom, whatever it is, is is a perk. So obviously with the natural unmedicated birth, you have that freedom to move, which is a positive thing because movement brings your labor on and movement is your friend because that gravity is bringing your baby down lower into your pelvis, which can help speed up the whole birthing process. And you can even try like so many different positions to help with each contraction or surge and get baby in a better position and feel more comfortable and hopefully result in a quicker delivery. Right. Which brings us to our second point, which is if you don't have any pain medication, you have a little bit more control over your birth. So if you do decide to labor unmedicated, you have more options available to you. So you don't necessarily need to be hooked up to an IV the entire time because you're not getting fluids. You 
don't have to be attached to your blood pressure monitor the whole time. When you have an epidural, your blood pressure monitor stays on so that they can make sure your blood pressure doesn't drop too low. You may be able to do intermittent monitoring of the baby instead of continuous monitoring. And again, of course, you're able to move around more. And if you're not hooked up to all the monitors and all of the IVs and stuff, you have a lot more freedom of movement just within your room. You can get in the water, you can get in the shower. At most hospitals, you might be able to walk the halls, you can sit on a birth ball, a peanut ball, hot and cold therapy, you just have more freedom, because you require less medical monitoring of you and the baby when there isn't an added dimension of having a pain medication. And also, you're avoiding, again, that cascade of interventions. So once you do get pain medication, sometimes it's less easy for you to control what happens with breaking your water or getting Pitocin or needing more fluids for low blood pressure, antibiotics, you know, just some of that internal fetal monitoring that happens and that it can just kind of cascade into turning into a more medically complicated, a medically complicated event than if you had never gotten pain medication to begin with. Right, right. What was once a choice like made for your comfort, like getting an epidural or getting a IV pain medication, it can potentially, you know, like Mary Alice said, become like the snowball. We've seen it happen. And like she said, become more medically necessary to intervene. And with that, it can then result into some women saying, oh, what if? And sometimes then not having the best feelings about their overall birth experience, which is the last thing we want for women. We want all women to have the best birth experience possible and for them to feel good about their experience, no matter what it looks like. So by saying no to a few more of those interventions, it can reduce your chances into it snowballing into something greater. Okay, number three, it may reduce your chances of a C-section or other interventions, which is basically a little bit more of what we were talking about. So I do tell my clients that the baby really determines how he or she wants to be born because there are so many things that can play a factor. Your baby could be breech. You could have placenta previa. You could have a really high blood pressure. Your baby may be tangled up in the cord in every which way. There are things that are just unavoidable and beyond your control that really medically require a C-section and that is okay. You know, you cannot beat yourself up over those things. Those are things that you cannot control. However, there are things that you can do to help your chances avoiding a C-section. And a good first step is trying for that unmedicated childbirth. So when labor is allowed to progress in its own time frame, and a woman is allowed to respond naturally to what she is experiencing, um, I've seen that most labors tend to go more smoothly and need fewer interventions. So of course, these are women who are low risk and have had normal pregnancies. So that is the the first thing. Um, But in my opinion, the more we mess with the laboring woman, the more things can get messy. But when we allow her body to do what it's supposed to do and support her and comfort her and listen to her, fewer interventions are usually needed. And I think that something else that is relevant in that discussion too is that it can help even putting off getting the epidural. So even if you can wait longer, if you can say like, oh, let's see what this looks like. Let's try and do this. Let's see 
how long I can go without getting the epidural, even that can help reduce your chances of a C-section by waiting to have some pain medication until you're further along in your labor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a difference when comparing one woman who gets an epidural at like two, three centimeters compared to a woman who gets it at like six or seven centimeters for sure. Totally agree with that. And and really when comparing women who have had a non-emergency delivery to women who are having emergency deliveries, it's been shown that women who have emergency deliveries had about twice the risk of developing postpartum depression. So we want women to look back fondly on their birth experience, even if it didn't go perfectly like your birth plan, which seldom it does. <laughs> Usually it's not going to look exactly like your birth plan, but by trying for that natural labor, it can reduce those chances of a C-section, those other interventions, and having a more favorable <laughs> experience and reducing your chances of developing a postpartum anxiety or depression. Absolutely. So another reason to try for an unmedicated delivery is the potential to have a shorter labor and pushing time. So when you do get an epidural, you can't feel contractions or the pain of labor, ideally, if your epidural is working effectively. And that's the whole point. It keeps you comfortable. And sometimes that is really helpful to people. So if you've been laboring and you've been tensing up and you've been in a lot of pain, your cervix can't always dilate. And so for some people, they get an epidural and then they dilate really quickly because their body is finally able to relax. The contraction can do their job. It can open their cervix up and the baby can be born pretty easily. But other times, an epidural can actually slow things down because When you're not able to move and the epidural kind of numbs your natural instincts, it can hinder labor progression. And so you're not able to walk and squat and change positions, which all of those things help to move the baby down deeper into your pelvis, help your contractions to get stronger, help your cervix to open up. And so sometimes having an epidural can actually slow your labor down. Now, it's difficult to know which of those things is going to happen, but just knowing that for some people, if you've been laboring unmedicated and you've been stuck at six centimeters for four hours, getting an epidural might really help. But for other people, if you've been laboring and you've gone from two to three to four and now, okay, it's time I want to get my epidural and then things aren't progressing quite as quickly, It could be because with the epidural, your body isn't able to continue that natural labor progression at the same rate. Also knowing that when it comes time to push, most women push more effectively without an epidural. It's kind of like what I tell my doula clients is if you need to poop, you feel that urge to poop and like you don't even have to tell your body how to poop. Like you just are like, I got to poop. But if you were numb, you likely would not feel that urge to poop. And if someone said, okay, now poop, you'd be like, well, how do I do that? Like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't feel anything. I don't have an urge to poop. And that's kind of what pushing with versus without an epidural is like. Because without an epidural, you can feel the urge. You can feel where and how to push. Sometimes it can just take longer with an epidural to push the baby out because you have to get the hang of it. You have to be coached. Someone needs to kind of help you show you where to push, show you how to push and do it over and over again until you get the hang of it. Often they will turn your epidural off so that, and not, it doesn't happen right away. It's not like all of a sudden all of the feeling comes rushing back, 
but it helps you to slowly regain some feeling and to help you push a little bit more effectively. Right. Yeah. And which is so helpful because then you're hopefully going to avoid needing a second stage intervention, like a vacuum or, or forceps or, or an episiotomy, that sort of thing. Or even a C-section. Yeah, definitely. And I will say with what you were saying, Mary Alice, if it does slow down your labor, that then it's going to be coupled with Pitocin for sure. And that's because we have to have a baby. You're there, (laughs) you're, you're ready to have your baby. So they're going to be giving you Pitocin, which then kind of goes into the other things that we were just saying that when you have one medication that's telling your body to slow down and relax, and then another medication that's telling your uterus like, no, let's go, let's get this baby out. It can be a lot for your body. And even though you can't feel anything, your baby is still feeling everything. (laughs) Like your baby is still feeling those contractions and going through that. And sometimes that can cause some decelerations in baby's heart rate, which can result into some emergency situations. So yeah, that's just another thing when it does slow down that can potentially happen that at least I've seen. Number five, a faster recovery is another great benefit. So after giving birth with an epidural, it can take some time for, you know, that medication to wear off in your body. It's usually probably within an hour when you're like really feeling back to feeling everything. But some women experience what is known as spinal headaches after having an epidural and some other issues where you can have back pain and other discomforts. Another side effect is their body can really start itching during and after labor, which is so common. And also the shakes during labor is very common. Also, when a woman delivers naturally, she may feel better almost instantly after giving birth. I will say that after I gave birth to Liam, one, I was just relieved. I was like, thank God you're out of my body. (laughs) I'm done. Just have to get this placenta out. But I was able to get up as soon as you guys were done checking me out and checking him out and doing all that. I was able to get up instantly and go to the bathroom and try to get the placenta out (laughs) and all of that, which I know doesn't happen for other women when you do choose medication. So Being able to get up and move around shortly after delivery is really awesome. And with a cesarean, it's important to remember that it is major abdominal surgery. A C-section can make it much more difficult to take care for your baby in the first weeks because you're just recovering from that surgery. And a natural birth gives you and baby the best chances for just a speedier recovery. So number six is to experience labor. And this is back to my wedding metaphor. Some people want to experience this. And I think that that is really awesome and really, I think, a really neat, curious way to go into this. And some people are really scared of labor, and that's okay. And some people really excited about it, and that's okay too. And it's okay to be both. And it's okay to want to try it out and see what this is all about. People have been giving birth for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And women are really strong. And it is really amazing to see people go through that experience. So yeah, I think that to want to experience labor is a perfectly valid reason to have an unmedicated birth and to see what that's like and to be connected to I mean, this is a little sappy and maybe my own, (laughs) maybe something of my own wants and needs, but sort of to be like connected to humankind. And this is the circle of life and see what it's all about. 
And I will say like to be like 100% real with everyone. Like I also felt like as a doula, I needed to give it a shot myself so that I could really see what my clients were going through. I wanted to be able to empathize with them and understand exactly what they were feeling and thinking. And so that future births that I go to, I, I could really empathize with them. So that was just another thing, like not only to experience it myself, but also just to be able to empathize with other women who have experienced it too. Absolutely. Okay. Number seven, fewer complications for mom and baby. Okay. So even though serious complications from pain relief medications are extremely rare, they can happen. So pain medications can potentially lower your blood pressure as we discussed, as well as your babies, and can cause respiratory depression for both mom and baby can potentially slow down your labor and can make you feel nauseous and dizzy. These are all things that we've said before, but if you really want to reduce those types of complications, saying no, to pain medications can really limit you experiencing these things. So using medications during labor may add risks that are not otherwise present in birth. So having a natural birth decreases your chances of experiencing these issues. Having an unmedicated birth may also make breastfeeding a little bit more easier and may increase your chances of having a successful breastfeeding experience because they found that babies who are not exposed to pain medications, particularly IV pain medications, are more alert after birth, which helps them to be more successful with initial breastfeeding. If they're less sleepy, they're able to latch better and feed longer at that first initial feeding, which can really help them to get off to a good start with breastfeeding. And when you don't have medications in your system, your body also has an easier time adjusting to these postpartum hormonal shifts. So the labor hormones are going down, the milk-making hormones are going up, your uterus is involuting, all of these things are happening. And when your body is also not having to process any pain medications, it may have an easier time making milk and your milk may come in a little bit quicker. And I've seen babies who are born without there being any pain medication. They are like super wide-eyed and alert. And I feel like in my experience, so much more aware of what's going on and ready to, to latch. Did, have you experienced the same things, Marielle's? I would not say that by looking, I could always tell which babies have had pain meds and which haven't, especially with an epidural. But I do think that with opioids and with um, analgesics, IV pain medications, babies who have been exposed to those within the past few hours do appear a lot more sleepy to me. All right. Our next thing is increase your confidence. Preparing for a natural birth really involves empowering yourself as a new parent. Like Mary Alice has said, she's done a Bradley class. I did a Bradley class for my first baby. I'm now doing a a hypnobirthing class for the second one. So you're really educating yourself and learning more about your options, how to advocate, how to say no. And that whole education process on the labor and delivery process, again, just empowers you and your partner and informs you on what you really want and desire for your upcoming birth. Also, it doesn't mean that you become rude or pushy just by becoming a more informed patient. It means that you're becoming just more confident in your decision-making for yourself, for your body and your baby. Absolutely. So the number 10 reason to possibly have an unmedicated birth is 
why not just try? (laughs) I do think that most moms wonder how bad the pain will be. Some people are curious about it. Some people are scared of it. Some people want to know whether they're able to handle it or not. And there's really no way to know what it's going to be like and how much pain you'll experience and the ways in which you'll cope with that until you try it for yourself. And even if you've had a baby before, you don't know what it's going to be like this second or this third time. And so why not take some classes, prepare your body, prepare your mind, learn different comfort techniques, and give unmedicated childbirth a go and just see how it goes. If you're in a hospital, pain medications are always there and they're always available if you need them or if you want them. And if you're at home or you're at a birth center, a hospital should be close by. So I really do think that it's if you're curious about it and it's something that you think you might want to do, why not give it a try? Definitely. But Mary Alice, what if you change your mind? What if you're like, yep, I tried that. Don't want to do it. Let me just say, <laughs> lots of people change their mind. And that is fine. And I always tell people, you are allowed to change your mind. You don't have to know what you want you know, 100% before you go into it. And so there are a lot of different options. And you want to get us started? Yeah. Okay. So there's a bunch of different options. The two main one, like there's two different types. There's analgesics and there's anesthetics. So let's go into the analgesics first. That's the IV pain medication. You want to talk to us about that? So analgesics are not going to numb you, but they are going to help take away the pain. So IV pain medication is the most common thing that you'll see during labor. And some of the ones that we see most commonly are Demerol, Nubane, Stadol. And this really does depend on your provider and what their preference is. You know, there's some people who always do Demerol or always do Stadol. And it just honestly depends on who your doctor or your midwife is, what their preference is, and also what their comfort level is administering pain medication at different stages. So when you get an IV pain med, it does wear off after a couple of hours. So one dose usually lasts a couple of hours. And I tell people often kind of feels like you're drinking a pitcher of margaritas. So it takes the edge off and but it doesn't actually numb the pain. And you might be able to get this in early labor. So I have definitely, in the birth center where I was working, we would often give it to first-time moms in early labor who were just really tired. They've had really long early labors. They're three or four centimeters. They're just really exhausted. And they're not ready to, they don't want to go to the hospital yet. They're not ready to throw in the towel. They want to keep laboring, but they got, they have got to have some sleep. And so giving them all in that early labor allows them to take a nap. It takes the edge off. They're able to relax more. And then when they wake up, often they're in active labor. They have this renewed energy, this like ready, and they're ready to go. Some people get it in active labor to help to take the edge off. And I've also seen moms have IV pain meds in active labor when they're trying to decide whether they want to get an epidural. And they're like, okay, I'm six or seven centimeters. I'm really tired. Let's try this. And if it helps me and I have renewed energy after, then great. And if not, then maybe I'll get an epidural. But I will say that most doctors will not administer an IV pain med after eight or nine centimeters, because we do know that it can make the baby drowsy and they don't want the baby to be drowsy too close to birth. Right. Right. For sure. Another one that's becoming a lot more popular is nitrous oxide. 
Unfortunately, it's not available in all hospitals, but more and more hospitals are having that as an option. Birth centers too. Yeah, a lot of freestanding birth centers have nitrous oxide now. Yeah, so it's definitely becoming more popular and available in the US, which which we love. Basically, it's like putting an oxygen mask over your nose and mouth and taking big, deep inhales and breathing out and breathing in that nitrous oxide. So it only works while you're actually breathing it in. So as soon as you take off that mask and continue on with your laboring journey, it will wear off and you will be back to where you were. But it is something nice that can can take that edge off and breathe in while you're going through a contraction. And then what about anesthetics, Nina? What about something that's just going to take my pain away? (laughs) And obviously anesthetics are like the most popular thing when it comes to childbirth. So we discussed the IV pain medication, the nitrous oxide, and anesthetic There are three different kinds. There's local, regional, and general. And with local, think of it as like you go to the dentist and they give you a shot in your gums to provide numbness in that like small area of your mouth. Well, the same can actually be done in childbirth. So you can have a local anesthetic injected into your perineum or your pudendal nerves before your baby is delivered and it's hopefully given to you before an episiotomy or an assisted delivery, which are rare, uh, thank goodness nowadays, but can be given at that point. So you're not feeling the episiotomy or the forceps being entered in. And if you do have an unmedicated birth and you do tear and need repair after, your provider will certainly use a local anesthetic to help numb your perineum before repairing your tear. Yes, absolutely. I will say though, there was one doctor that I was at a birth where the doctor missed the birth (laughs) because it was so fast and the nurse caught the baby. And the doctor is very used to having just epidural patients. So when she came in to stitch her, she just started stitching without realizing that she did not have an epidural. And the woman like screamed. She was like, oh, you don't have an epidural. So if you do, and your doctor wasn't there, remind them, I do not have an epidural. (laughs) That is not fun. That's that's, pretty terrible. Hello. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So another anesthetic that we just said is regional. And regional is the most common and that is being an epidural, which epidurals, I mean, how many, how many would you say in the United States? Like 60% of births are now with an epidural? More? I have no idea what that statistic is. <laughs> I think in the United States, it's like 50 to 60%. I want to say here in Houston, Texas, it's like 90%. But, but in your area, it could be, it could be lower. Um, I believe the last statistic I looked up, but don't quote us on that. Okay, I just Googled it. And the CDC says 68.1%. See, there you go. Around 60. Okay, so it's even increasing because I swear a couple years ago, whenever I looked it up, it was like 50 to 60%. For people (laughs) delivering their second or more second, third, fourth babies, it's 57.3%. There you go. Which makes sense to me that that would go down. Oh yeah, for sure. But we want women to know that you can always get an epidural. Like that whole myth of like, oh, it's too late. You can't get one. And that, that fear of, oh, if I don't get it now, I'm not going to be able to get one. That's not true. That's like a lie. It really isn't. Your baby would have to be like barreling down the birth canal (laughs) for you. I mean, I, especially as a first time mom, as a second, second and third babies. Yes. I have definitely, 
I've definitely had clients who wanted an epidural who their baby was just coming really fast and there was no way that was going to happen in time. However, with your first baby, I've had moms get epidurals at 10 centimeters. I, they're like, I'm done with this. I don't want to push without an epidural. Give me an epidural. There is almost always time to get an epidural. Yeah, for sure. An epidural, unlike an IV pain medication where that's really affecting your mind, this is just affecting the feeling. So you're still going to be 100% with it, answering questions. You can take a nap. You can watch TV. You can talk on the phone to friends or whatever. So that is the difference is that it's, it's providing that numbness. And it's really usually starts from right below the breasts all the way down. Also, another regional anesthetic is a spinal block, and this is commonly used for planned cesareans. So that's not going to be something that you'll typically see right in labor and delivery unless you are going in for a cesarean. Right. And the difference between a spinal block and an epidural is that an epidural is going to be a little catheter that stays inside of you and delivers medication into the epidural space in your spinal column, whereas a spinal block is a one-time injection of medication. And so that's why it's used for planned cesareans because they know how long it's going to take. They have you there, they give it to you, they get the baby out. And then when it wears off, you don't need that continual pump as opposed to with an epidural, they don't know how long you're going to be in labor. Absolutely. And then there's also general anesthesia. So general anesthesia is like what they give you when you need surgery. They put a mask on you. It puts you all the way under. And this is used in emergency deliveries, emergency cesarean deliveries, if no epidural has already been placed and there isn't a way to very quickly get you the medication you need to quickly perform the C-section. General anesthesia can also be used on mothers who have certain conditions where they cannot receive an epidural or a spinal. And one of those is like if your platelet count is very low, they can't give you an epidural. And so should you need a C-section or should you not want to have a natural or unmedicated delivery, then you would need general anesthesia for your delivery. Absolutely. Okay, you guys, holy moly, how you choose to give birth, we just want you to know is ultimately your choice. It is your body. This is your baby and it's your birth. So this is an experience that will stay with you for the rest of your life. Make it the decision that is best for you, not for your mother, not for your sister, not for your girlfriends. It's what you want and your partner. This is your baby. So do your research and prepare the best you can to increase your chances of having the birth experience you ultimately desire. As always, we like to hear your thoughts and are curious if you had an unmedicated birth and if there's anything else that you would add to this list. We'd love to hear your story and for you to share your reasons with us on our Facebook page where we'll be posting today's episode. We'll also be answering everyone's questions in the comments. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat the Baby Chick podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can always follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at The Baby Chick. And of course, visit our website, www.baby-chick.com for more.